Another fun edition of the Rolex Whiskey Passion Project. And today, I get prob this gentleman probably has known me the longest as, you know, my my stage name, Rolex Whiskey. And in my mind, you know, I believe he's like the epitome of like the guy in the whiskey community, like the maitre d'. He knows too much to be dangerous and he just smiles and laughs and has fun. So without any further ado, my dear friend, Johnny Mundell, how are you, sir? How you doing, Gavin? Nice to be on. Yeah, I'm glad to have you. So, Johnny, we're just going to have fun. So I'm going to ask you to go into your time capsule and tell me what did the first years of a younger, slightly younger Johnny look like drinking whiskey? How did it happen? What was it? I was a member of a rugby club. I played rugby, like mini rugby, midi rugby, which are just graduations one from the other. And the rugby club was like having a big fundraiser. Um, New Zealand were at the club and they were playing at our club. We were hosting New Zealand A team versus the Scotland A team, which is not the full international side, but the one just below. And I remember Craig Chalmers was significantly taller than me. So, you know, this is probably not interesting to anyone except Robin Cooper, who's a, a rugby geek. He'll, uh, he'll be looking up the dates and posting like clarity on what the time was, but Craig Chalmers was the fly half that day and he was significantly taller than me, which you, you would look, you would loom over Craig Chalmers. So I was a kid, they had a, a raffle for the rugby club and it was a weird bottle raffle where every ticket was a winner but they had about 3,000 bottles of bleach and me and a couple of friends one of whom is famously named Angus Campbell which is about as Scottish as it, as it gets we were working the stall and what we did was we just figured out what the bottles of whiskey were numbered and then Throughout the day, we just found a way to find where those tickets were and make sure we, we hauled about seven bottles of whiskey out of that. And we were kids, you know, even, even back then we were forecasting your, your profession, Gavin, with taking pictures and posting them. And we were flexing with our bottles. And I think we went out and shot a couple of rabbits one day and it was like, or a hare actually I'm remembering. And there's a, a really bad photograph of me and Angus, seven bottles of whiskey and a couple of hares that we shot. You know, there's definitely a white Mackay in there. There has to be a famous grouse because that's, you know, uh -huh. that's what there was. But the one that stands out to me is actually Black Bottle. The reason I think the word drinking is triggering is I've got very little interest in drinking whiskey. Like almost, and, and even now I'm, I'm 45 at the moment, I've got almost no interest in drinking it. I enjoy tasting it. And I enjoy being around people who are interested in it and connecting with those people about it. And I'm obsessed with how it's made and the effort and work that goes into making it. But drinking it, I, I yeah, I didn't, I didn't like it. I didn't, I didn't like any booze. I was the, I was the kid who would show up at a party with a bottle of Drambuie. And I got to tell you, man, the funniest brand ambassador experience I ever had was I think it was in San Antonio when the Drambuie ambassador you know it, you know late night everyone's just trying to chill out we're done with the work and he just wanted to tell me how Drambuie was made and I was like dude you're talking to the wrong guy in the wrong place at the wrong time like at the time my company made Drambuie for his company so I was just like 
dude, shut the fuck up. Like, let me chill. It's, <laughs> it's not that time of the day. So weird, strange relationship with alcohol. Like drinking too young is the message in all of this. Like was yes. burned out on booze by the time I was 18. I mean, I, I, for me, it was tequila. Cause like, that's what you drank in South Africa when you were young. And whiskey was this like sophisticated drink that people drank while they were playing backgammon or like chilling and catching a sunset. It was like, I would watch people drinking whiskey growing up be like, ooh, first of all, that tastes real burny. You can't shoot it like tequila. And I'm not really like, I don't like the effects of alcohol. I'm one of those people that just, I'm super conscious, aka maybe quasi controlling that I don't like to lose control. And I liked whiskey because it was like I could drink it slowly very slowly and still be social and be in the mix but not be like those other people that were like slamming peach schnapps and tequila or drinking like Long Island iced teas I'd forgotten why I liked you <laughs> well, you, you, need, you need to work on that South African accent like I'd forgotten you were South African it's like <laughs> There's a there's a salty quality about a South African. He's the only man powerful enough to handle a South African woman that I, in my experience. Uh, yeah, I mean, I avoided them. I, I didn't get married until I was 38. I avoided them with my life because I was like, I don't want that. And then I found one, and I met her parents, and I'm like, I I, I tell her that I'm like, it was your parents that closed the deal because I felt so like at home. Mm. Yeah, you know, that was. But yeah, very strong-willed individuals, the South African women. Yeah, they spank with their tongue, and I mean that as a cutting. A co I yeah. mean that as with the commentary. Um, there was a guy I played in a rugby team with, whose name brilliant guy, but he had an amazing name, Torquil Matheson, and he was married to this, or not married. He was dating this South African girl, redhead, Bob, red Bob Fringe, and. Dude, when she spoke to him, it was like the line that caught her fringe came from her voice. Like she just could tear him down in a way I'd never seen. It was a beautiful thing. And he, you know, uh, he did a tough, like with a name like Torquil, he, he had every comeback ready. He was, he's a solid guy. So he was ready. He was ready for battle and she was more than able it. for him. So yeah, there are. Tell me, let's go, but let's go back to the world of whiskey. So you're drinking seven bottles of whiskey. It's not really your jam. When in when do, what's your first fond memory of drinking whiskey where you're like, that's really tasty? And I say, like, I'm using the term drinking. I totally get what you're saying. I'm like, when was the first time you like, that's different? I'd like to know more. As opposed to like, cool, I don't really like drinking and like right, you know. Yeah, so that's where that's where like, with when it started, that's where it time speeds up, and it's just like where where do I where do I stop? The that question, the answer to that question is not a it's not a one moment. It's a continual series of having that experience with either a distiller that I was training under, or a bartender or owner. Um, it, that's just nonstop. It's that moment. And, and, and is there a first one? The first one that comes, the most powerful one that comes to mind is blending laboratory in Springburn in Glasgow. I'm working for Morris and Bowmore distillers who are owned by Suntory Corporation. 
I'm with one of my mentors, uh, probably my, uh, we call him Skeletor, or sometimes he gets known as Ian McGollum. He kind of looks like if Skeletor and Gollum had a baby. We also sometimes refer to him as Dookie Hauser because he was picked up as a as a kid by Santori at 16, the scientist. And he's from, wow. he's from the tough side of Glasgow. The way Ian was able to make science accessible blew my mind. So I'm already, like, I'm in the business at this point. I'm being, this is my first training trip to Scotland. The year is 19, no, fuck, 2000 and... 2011 and Ian's got like the other, the other unique thing about Ian is he's got like serial killer handwriting so he takes really detailed notes and his handwriting is microscopic but it's perfect like my eyesight's not good but I can read whatever Ian's written and it's so tiny so he can get masses of information into a page and he gave me a sample of the blood or uh, was a fit was a 1950s Bullmore. It's not a flex. It's just uh, it, it's a tasting liquid that has an uncontrollable emotional response. And four years later, five years later, when we were bringing, we, I was part of bringing the the Beam Corporation into the Suntory family, or at least I was part of exposing them to the Scotch whiskies that Suntory already owns. I saw that same drawer opened. I saw a similar sample shared with the room. And even the most, there's this guy on the bus that was driving everyone crazy because this was like a sales incentive trip and everybody had slogged their guts out to get on the trip. And there was this one guy who I won't out on the podcast, but his name, you know, his name sounds like Ryan Dolliver and uh, <laughs> he, uh, he wasn't that fussed about being there. And there was literally almost mutiny on the bus one day as we we're driving from up north. And everyone's like losing their shit because they've, they've sweat blood, like making deals to get on this trip. And he's just like, he's not that big a deal. He tasted this, this whiskey to Ian or the, from this drawer that Ian had shared with me, he fucking teared up and the whole room had the same response that I'd seen happen four or five years ago. And it's that, you know, it's, it's not. It's not what you're drinking. What you're drinking is so irrelevant. Like the master of the welly boot, Simon Brooking, you never know what's in there, but it, people love it because it's, it's attention, right? It's, it's positive attention and connection that Simon's giving to you when he shares that with you. It looks like there's a moment of intimacy and, you know, illicitly procuring these bottles with Angus Campbell was the same thing. It was like. This was my brother, right? And he would have, Angus, Angus would take a bullet and move to LA. He lives in Canada now, in Ontario. He calculated how long it would take him to get here um, with gas stops, caffeination, and he was willing to wear a diaper because he reckoned it would save him four hours um, if he just Very intent when he needed gas, you know. And, and he was calculating based on the caffeination he needed. So it, it's a way, it's, it's those moments in who you're with. Ian sharing that that whiskey, which it may sound crazy to think, but the career I've had that it was on my first training trip with MBD that was that moment happened. I've seen it happen so many other times, Gavin, where people have connected with other people in my presence over a whiskey. 
but I can't remember what those whiskies were. I just, I remember more about the moments where there's a deeper level of connection that happens than just the superficial bullshit. And it, the same way you identify with sipping slowly, I think that lends itself to how we feel, how like it, it's the, the interaction that we're having is not going to be superficial based on the complexity of the liquids. Well, it's interesting because you talk of, you know, you're talking about these experiences. And if I think of, you know, you met me in the beginning when I started the whole Rolex whiskey journey back in whatever, 2016-ish. And if I think about, of if I was going to come down to, let's just say, 10 events that I've just like, wow, one of them would have been with you at Mahesh's event when you did a deconstruction of Hibiki which I got to like geek out on all the individual components and then what it's like together. And then the second would have been you and me at the Maker's Mark water source where we had spent literally way too many hours trying to make, trying to pick a barrel. And you said, let's take a break. Let's just head up to the water source. The guy picked us up in that Raptor and we sat there and we just fucking laughed and just took a break. Just Mm -hmm. took a break. But those moments, like, like yesterday, when I think of those things, just like, yesterday and have been very influential on me just taking a slow a step because like i said i've always been a slow sipper i like the smell i, I like to just it, to me it's like it's like a food experience you know take it slow enjoy it and you you never know what you're going to get i mean you know this week i was in seattle for work i was with tommy at the ballard cut i told you yesterday i mean he poured me the first edition of the yamazaki 18 when it was called you know pure malt versus and it's just it's just uh-huh. different it is for good or bad or whatever it doesn't matter it's just different but those moments where you like wow that person who made that whiskey like that Bowmore in the 1950s like he didn't have a cell phone he didn't have instagram he didn't have email like he went to work and just did the best job he possibly could and on friday he hoped they'd give him some whiskey to take home with his paycheck but he had no idea like what the future would hold for that and i think that's the exciting part about whiskey in general for me is like you know that but the better source, you know, normally people who bake whiskey know that their liquid is good. They have an idea of what the barrel is going to do, and they have an idea of the region where it is. But at the end of the day, it's the end result that's, depending on when you get to it, can be very different. You know, it's like, you know, going in foodie terms, it's like you can take the steak off the grill too early sometimes. Or you could like, you know, let it rest a little bit longer. But like, it's just such a beautiful liquid, which is what romanced me into this whole thing. Beautifully put, dude. I'm picturing, I'm picturing losing my mind in Ballard. We were talking and I, I couldn't even like, I think we were mid sentence and I just, I stopped speaking and just started climbing up the ladder to go, what is that behind that? And he, like, but he had a cheetah grain whiskey, which the one with the black label frosted bottle, all Japanese writing was never sold in the U S that was one of the first whiskeys I tried when I went to Japan. That was a moment in a bar where I got to see somebody else lose their minds on finding this bottle. And, and, and it was infectious. Like it was Gardner Dunn, my former colleague at Suntory. And he was showing me around some bars and he was losing his mind over this bottle. And it's five years later, four years later, and I'm seeing the same bottle in Ballard going transported right back to that moment. It, time speeds up or like you say at the water source you can slow time down and dude 
Yeah, you were taking your time on picking that. Yeah, you were taking your time. Well, you had all the ambassadors there that day. We were asking for too much input. We overanalyzed a simple solution, a, sim- a kind of simple thing. We overanalyzed. Gavin, hold on, hold on, hold on. Gavin, are you telling me? Are you telling me you overanalyzed something? You got hyperly yeah. excited, and then this this large caring Scotsman just picked you up in his arms and carried you on a raptor to the water source and bathed you. You were baptized, reborn, and you walked forth from the maker's water source, and this podcast was yep. born? I mean, and we came down there, we we came down there, we picked it, and we were done. And we went for a beautiful dinner and lived happily ever after. And if we remember correctly, went to a really awkward karaoke place that night. I don't remember that, but I, I remember that you had carved out stone tablets um, out of some yeah. of the stone and carried them down the hill as well. And Yeah. Uh, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, the, I'm, I'm glad you. I'm, I'm glad you. Mahesh's event, though, that was uh, what stood out to me that day. Was aside from your your propensity to be hyperactive, you care. It really, it really stood out. And I was, I was just a lucky guy that, you know, that toolkit that I had at that point. Uh, um, because you, you, you know, the reason you were you were blown away is because you thought you knew a lot, and then I, I, I was, I had tools. I had tools that fried your brain. So a hundred percent. And that's the same shit. When I go to Ballard and hang out with Tommy, I'm like, let's go down a rabbit hole. And he's like, fuck it. I got rabbits. Let's go. And I'm like, all right, you know, tell me. And, and like, you know, you know, Johnny and I were talking yesterday guys. And it was kind of like, he's like, can you pick the, the age? I'm like, not a fucking chance when this whiskey was made. No, my palate is nowhere near that sophisticated. But Tommy is like a walking book of history. So he's like, hey, and this one's from 1968, and this one's from 1982, and this one's from 1989. And this is like, I told you I drank the Suntory 21, which was the predecessor to Hibiki in the green bottle, because Tommy's trying to get everything that's in the museum for his collection, for, for the bar, and he opens everything. Like, he's literally, like, that's his latest fucking task. He's like, and I'm like, well, when are you going to get all these sherry woods? He's like, bro, like, when I have a lot more money, but I will get them. And I'm like, fair enough. You know, it's like, because I was like, why this green bottle? Tell me about this, you know? And then I was telling you yesterday, you know, we did the, the Hibiki piano, you know? And it was, it was like, here was this beautiful, delicate, sherry blended whiskey from Centauri that, you know, back in those days, probably nobody gave a shit. So they put it in a piano and they said, hey, America does cars and eagles and horses and ceramics. We're going to do musical instruments, maybe with the thought process. I don't know. You know, but it's it's such an interesting world because I believe that whiskey in our world, it gets a lot of attention, but people don't like it's normally been like a, a thing you drank, but not like a thing you appreciated. And I think that's where guys like you and me, it's kind of like, wow, there's some amazing whiskey out there. Like this year is universal. They they broke they broke out like a 30 year old rose band. I personally have not had Rosebank in a long time and I don't remember it. But this time I really took time to like go through. I'm like, oh my God, man, this is just, this is wow. This is wow. You know, and there's not many of us that go like that. It's normally something more, but like it's a special thing. So anyway, that that's a good rabbit hole I just went down. Let's go back to you now. So you've had a couple of cool things with Bowmore and stuff like that. What do you think personally for you, whiskey has... How do I say this? I want to say done for your life, but what's whiskey enhanced your life experience, perhaps? No, go with the first one. What's 
you know, what, what has whiskey done for you? Go. <laughs> whiskey's whiskey's like a parent. And if I think back to, you know, the way it's been embraced in all over the world, and you can go through the Scandinavian countries, you can go to Canada, uh, and, and definitely the U.S. There is just this obsession with with knowledge, with being empowered with knowledge and learning. Now, as I, as I think I've articulated, for me, it's it's it is. I have used that in order to create experiences where people connect with other people. But it's that thirst for understanding that doesn't exist in Scotland um, or didn't exist in the Scotland that I grew up in. Nobody cared. People were drinking excessive quality quantities of sugary beverages from bottles in nightclubs. That was the kind of bartending that I did. I could, I used to be able to make 20 vodka Red Bulls in under under 40 seconds. It it's when I came over here you start seeing you start seeing it with other with another point of view. But my mind's wandering a wee bit, Gavin. Put me back on track. So it, it's you you said what has whiskey done for me? And I said yeah. parent, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I came here in 2004. I had hiked across America. I found myself working at the Sundance Film Festival in 2004. Uh-huh. I went back and returned in 2005. And over the course of four and five, I, you know, I think I used three, three month tourist visas to spend time um, exploring, having adventures in, in the US. And part of that adventure, you know, um, I had my family. I have three daughters who are now 11, 14, and 16. Everybody back home has this like fear, right? The ones I've stayed have like, it's this kind of slight fear of what's, what's out there. And the way that would manifest it for me was like, well, what are you going to do if something goes wrong? You know? And that was, that's my mother's voice I'm hearing as I'm saying that, like something's going to go wrong and you know, there isn't people that are going to take care of you. And I've already said, I've got a, I've got a tame Canadian Scotsman called Campbell, who's willing to drive from, from fricking Sarnia in Ontario to LA to save my What's ass. the diaper on? With the yeah, diaper on. He's, he's, he's like, but that's our relationship. Like he, he's a protector. He's, he was born that way. Yeah. Um, I had a shady experience at school and he was from where I grew up, the farm kind of neighborhoods and. His, his goal in life was to kill everybody that ever bullied me at school during a rugby match. Like he, when his school played my school, he was an animal. Um, and he just, he even wanted to hurt anybody that was representing my school. So this idea of what whiskey's given me is it's given me family, friends, parents. Like I was going through a really hard time a couple of months ago and Barry Kay, um, he has a whiskey club in LA that they don't really like to be known. So they're just a, a group of friends, but we, we refer to him as the Barry K experience. You know, Barry's like, I got you. And he's helping me with, you know, some difficult legal things that need to be figured out. And, you know, you've alluded to it. We talked yesterday. I wanted to let you know some of the stuff I wasn't willing to talk about today. And mm-hmm. you've got my back, you've got my back. So. Oops. 
And and like I said to you on the call, I'm fucking excited for this next chapter for you because I feel oh. like I, I I don't I you know I said to you yesterday it's time to unleash the beast, and I'm saying that in the nicest way possible because you really are one of the most unique people in this industry. And for me, it's like this industry, this family, it's like there's not a big group. There's a big like fake group, but there's a real small real group. Well, I, yeah, it means a lot. So the, the, I just, so we can actually answer a question and give your, uh, give your partner, uh, Brasco, you're up an easier time editing this. What, what whiskey has given me is place is security. Can we hold on a second? I, I want to, I appreciate you saying that, but I don't want to put that in the recording. So just give me a pause and then just continue that. Thanks. Okay. So. Look, we, we're talking a lot, but if I can distill this down, whiskey has given me place, security, family, community. So, you know, God knows I love, I love both my parents, but whiskey feels like a parent to me. It feels like a provider. It feels like it's been disciplinarian and strict on me. It's been hard on me. It's, it's shaped me, it beat me up. It's also fed me, taken care of me and just given me a world of family and friends. Like I strange one, but I, um, I got out of here and I kind of had all my friendships. We'd matured and we'd all grown up and, you know, I think I was, we all got married kind of at the same time kids started happening. I was the best man out here to Brett Winfield, who you probably remember from he used to GM at the Seven Grand down in San Diego. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Brett asked me to Brett asked me to be one of his groomsmen. I lost my mind thinking I'd made a friendship that I meant that much to somebody they would ask me to be a groomsman. Andrew Abramson, who used to be the GM at Seven Grand in LA, he asked me to marry him because, you know, he was walking down the stairs and with this girl and I called him out. I was like did you seem different? And I don't mean to sound hokey, but I, I feel I, I'm, I'm a very sensitive, emotional person. It takes me a lot to do the work you've seen me do. I have to recharge as a result of that. It's not like, Oh, I've, I've definitely watched that. You are totally fine. Just walking away for a second and recharging. You do not need to be in the mix. You could like, I wouldn't say you could give two shits because obviously it's, you're being paid to be there, but you have no problem excusing yourself and just saying, I'll be back in a few. I don't need all of yeah. this. A lot. I need to, I need to walk. I need to constantly be recharging. But in that moment, I saw that Andrew loved this girl, unlike any relationship I'd seen him be in. And we verbalized this. We talked about it. And, you know, four years later, I'm standing next to a stream in the same forest that they filmed the old Robin Hood TV show, the old black and white one. And I'm standing there on a kilt, marrying him to his wife. So these experiences happen because of the liquid and it was it was mutual care about the liquid and the people that were interested in it that got me there if it wasn't for my second kid being born five weeks premature i would never have sat in the NICU for two weeks or my buddy in detroit who was looking for whiskey because he couldn't get any thinking like i'm gonna try something different and do this like alternative investment strategy and it was purely money generated in the beginning until i actually started drinking the whiskey and going like, whoa, 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 what, what, what is this? 
Like, I mean, I still, I remember like before that Mahesh event, like I remember drinking in LA, in downtown LA, like little Tokyo or what, whatever that area is, there's Wolf and Crane or something. Uh-huh. And they had yeah. a Yamazaki sherry cask and it was like $85 a pour. And that was a lot of money, but I wasn't making money out of whiskey and I had a good job and I got that and I go, whoever's making this, they're doing something really special. I want to know everything about it. And then I got to meet you. I remember, I remember like when my brother-in-law James was like, hey, we did this YPO event and this Johnny guy came by and I'm like, wait, the same dude. So it's like, it's, it's been a beautiful journey, but like, and I, and I'm grateful for all the knowledge, experiences, all that kind of stuff, but it's really it's that small group that I'm like, I can not see you or talk to you for two years, a year, whatever. And we can just, we just connect. We yeah. just connect. And that's a special thing. I that's you okay. Before we, you know, me and, we, before me and Johnny have a full bromance audience, let's get a, let's get a couple more questions out, Johnny. Don't worry. <laughs> I got, you know, so I'm, so now we've got where, where the whiskey side of it, you've had a very shining career in the industry you've you've worked in all different sides of it what is exciting you personally now in the industry i think there is such a a a group of people now that have knowledge so this i have this visual in my head that i've never been able to make anybody in a marketing department Sorry, I've never been able to make anyone in a marketing department make sense of. Okay. But if you'll bear with me, close your eyes. I want you to picture a pool of water that's perfectly flat. And somebody throws a stone in the middle of that pond. I feel like I was standing very close to the point of impact. I saw the ripples coming first. And I've shared my stories, you know, the, the, the Suntory sherry cast that you're talking about, Shinji Fukuya-san was a huge impact on my whiskey life. His, he, he opened up to me and it's, you have to earn that with the Japanese. I was, I was told in the beginning by another teacher, Mike Miyamoto, that I had to slow my roll a little bit. Like I was. You know, I thought I knew stuff because I'd worked in Scotch and, you know, I was basically, it was heavily implied that I was just a little bit too eager. And a couple of years later, I'd see the, the benefit of that advice. Shinji is opening up in a way. So the, the getting close to the person um, that made that whiskey makes me, feel, I feel like my role is cheerleader. Okay. So Sh- Shinji throws a stone in the pond. I'm seeing the ripples coming from that. I'm sharing the ripples with you. You're sharing the ripples with someone else. We're now at the end of the, we're getting to the edge of the pond and everybody is like, it's it's this bigger group of people that share this passion. And what I'm excited about is what happens next, because you, you were kind in the beginning. I, I know enough to be dangerous in terms of whiskey. But Gavin, this has all happened before. And it's amazing. I think I started in, when I say I started with MBD in 11, I had about four or five years with McCallan and Balvenie before that. Mixed 
mixed experiences. You know, I was just a, I was a gun for hire in the local markets, agency employee, not working directly for either company, but I got exposed to a lot of people in different states of focus of what they wanted to get about the industry. Back then, it was like, there was this ascendancy happening. Like, I think it was 2000 and, 2006, was that the year that Suntory won Best Whiskey in the World? Yeah, I should know that. I've, I've taught yeah. this class. So if you start thinking about then, like, at those moments, this is just part of a cycle that's happened before. And what I'm putting my energy to right now is I'm actually trying to go back and I'm obsessed with learning from the past with a view to predicting the future. That's, that is what I'm excited about. So I'm having conversations with all kinds of people in that space about like, what can we, this is what we know about this timeline that we've lived through, right? What can we use from the lessons of the past to predict if we're going to repeat a cycle that's happened before, or is there something new that's happening right now that's going to cause us to branch off in a completely new direction? So there isn't really a clear, like something I can point at other than it's, it's, it's an energy I feel with this part of a cycle or a journey coming to my perception of a conclusion. And that's not a, a forecast of doom. That's a, Hey, within what I've been doing, this is, you know, this work that I, I felt the need that I was carrying, there's better people carrying that force now. So can I take a pause and look back and go, okay, where are we, where are we going next? I I I, rec I, re I recognize with that because I look at you know when I started saying whiskey and enjoying whiskey there was a lot of like eh, eh, eh. and now I look twenty twenty three and it's like it's just it's such a welcome beverage everywhere I travel for work I go to these great whiskey bars and they have a great selection if I think on my days of running restaurants and nightclubs we had a shitty selection. Because like you said, I'd rather you make 40 vodka Red Bulls than like spend time with some dude who's going to get a pour of whiskey every 25 minutes or 30 minutes because mm -hmm. he was sipping on it. You know, I, I need to make money. That's what we're there to do. We want to pour tequila shots, do vodka Red Bulls, pour champagne, and keep it going. We're not going to be like, hey, buddy, we've got a great whiskey list. We'd like you to get two drinks, you know, in your whole stay here tonight. So now you have all this like whiskey bars and whiskey you know just whiskey is 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 normal now and I, and I want like i was at a dinner about two three years ago and the gentleman next to me was a huge wine collector and he just you know very well off gentleman you know and he's like yeah i have this huge wine collection multi-million dollars and i started just like you know he's very rich and i'm trying to like like what do you drink on normal he's like oh yeah you know like a ten thousand dollar bottle is normal but then when we hang out with friends and that's just normal it's a different world i don't understand that but i said why are you at a whiskey dinner? He's like, well, a bottle of wine is gone. It's four glasses, maybe five. Whiskey, mm -hmm. at least I can keep on my bar for a little bit longer. And I can enjoy it and go back to it. Wine, it's like, you, go, you don't really go back to it. You finish it. It's done. Whiskey, you don't do that. And he's like, I want to change my ways. And I'm like, wow. Like, this is money's no object. And it was a very high-end whiskey dinner, which was obviously they targeted the right guy. But it was interesting watching this dude going, well, you know, this is a sip and savor. 
And there is, I don't know anything about it. I'm here to learn. And I feel like the ears are open now. Like they have been probably the last four or five years. You know, I don't think before that they were very open as, as much as they are now. I think there was a small group, but like you said, the pond was bigger. The ripple, there was a lot more people closer to the, to the stone than they were on the people at the edge of the pond. Yeah. And, and there's one thing you've thrown in there that I think is the answer to all things. It's, you use the words, make money. The moment this becomes possible to support a family, possible to set yourself up for a significant future, it, it amplifies the attention because at a certain point, we're all just trying to take care of family. Yeah. We're trying to feed our kids. By God, it's great. We can do it doing something that we love with something with some integrity, something with some, you know, unperceived magic and, and whiskey fits that criteria. Like I go and visit home and it's like Angus Campbell's father's trying to tell me about all the casks he's bought and invested in with my company. And I'm like, well, one, it's not my company. Thanks. Uncle Robin, <laughs> but, uh, you know, they just, it's, it's interesting because it's of its value and value can be measured in a lot of ways. It's, it's a social currency. It's, it's, it's money. You know, you, you have had a significant impact yourself in, in raising the value of a 750 ml bottle of whiskey. Not. I've done that. You know, there's been years where I've been able to buy my Christmas tree because you've done that. So. Well, to me, it's like if I think about sitting in this NICU with this kid in there with tubes all inside her and all this kind of stuff going like, how cool would it be to have this alternative, the kid's college fund? You know, because I don't have the opportunity to save a ton of money, but if I'm going to spend money, I'm going to buy whiskey and I'm going to hope. And what's the worst case scenario? I drink it. And then it went crazy. And I'm like, wait, what? How, wait, that bottle that was sitting at BevMo. I mean, you think back on those early Hibiki times when it sat in Trader Joe and nobody wanted it. It got him. <laughs> like it. <laughs> I don't know if this is a space you want to get into. I want to turn this on you for a second. Have you ever talked on the podcast yeah. about that moment, like chips and NICUs? And have you ever have any of you shared that? I, I I do I do sometimes. I mean, that's where it started. You know, Sloane was laying in there and she was five and a half weeks early, and you know, there was a lot of panic. You know, and it was, and then I get this call from my buddy Nick in Detroit, who's like, "Hey, dude, I own this. You know, he owns a couple of bars." And he's like, and through my buddy Dean, he's like, "Nick's looking for like Macallan twenty fives and Macallan thirties because the people in Detroit are drinking whiskey and there's none." And I was like, "I'll go tomorrow, like during the day, and look at a couple of like good liquor stores." And I go down there, and I'm like, "Hey, they got Macallan twenty five for like a thousand bucks. You want it?" He's like, "Yeah, I'll take it." And then like on day three, I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm not doing this anymore. I kind of want to start to look for stuff for myself. I'm just going to start something. I don't know where this will go. But and, and I I remember like when Pappy, uh, 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 whatever, not even, I, I would say a Pappy 10 year old. I remember it was $199 and a buddy was like, hey, it's in the store. And I'm like, I'm not spending a hundred. That's a lot of money. And now fast forward. I'm like, what is a lot of money even? At? I don't even know. When it comes to whiskey, I mean, you talk about those 1950 bone wars. I mean, fuck, dude. They're like, they're like kidney body parts. We've all let something go. For me, it's a, there's a, a Yamazaki 1984 oh, Lincoln, in Lincoln, in Lincoln, fine wine on 
in Santa Monica, Lincoln Boulevard, Lincoln Fine Wine, and it's there for yep. three years. And I'm coveting it. I'm like, just her, like, I, I wanted it, I wanted it so bad. And it was, it was two and a half grand. And <laughs> that would have been, that, that would have been, a, that would have been the best investment I'd ever made if I purchased that, but I didn't. And, you know, who knows if the person that bought it knows what they, they had. Uh, I, I drank a bottle of it once, um, in a sauna in a hotel in Chicago, but that's a story I won't, I won't shame anyone for, um, for, for uh, six, six ambassadors sitting in a, in a sauna the day after whiskey fest, drinking a bottle of Yamazaki 84. I'll distance myself and say I was not working on the Suntory uh, whiskey brands at that time. So I was just a, I was just a guest, but like God. I mean, it's like, I was talking with Tommy the other night. We were just talking about like some of the bottles that we just didn't, you know, who would have thought, who would have thought no one. And it was a lot of money. Like 2,500 was a ton of money. And now I watch these things on auction, 18,000, 20,000, 30,000 gone. And I'm like, who are you? Who's buying it? I want to meet you. I can't, you know, they have like, a, I, I don't have the finances to go that high. Well, they have a, you price yourself out of the market. That's what you suddenly figure out with, you know, every post that you've ever made has contributed to the perception, the perception of that value. So yeah, Gavin, you fucked it up for everyone. The same as I did. I, listen, every- I, I will take, I will take some responsibility for sure in there because there was times when I would buy a bottle for $89 and then talk about it and then the bottle would go to 700. Well, that's, you need that. The same way I think back to some of the classes, you know, I say we're taught the best, the best guy, the guy that the that had the single biggest impact though, in my time, Nia White was my predecessor as Suntory ambassador for the West coast. And Nia sent an open letter to the bar community and you know, you've got the whiskey community and you've got the cocktail craft community. And I know that your world fuses both now, but it was a time that those were very separate entities. I feel like I was at a, a, a stage of seeing those two worlds combine into one and Nia mm-hmm. one, an open letter to the bartender community, asking them to take Yamazaki 12 off their menus because there wasn't enough supply to sustain the cocktail placement nationally with that like if everybody could just and he's so sincere like he's a beautiful man he really cared he thought he was doing the right thing and just going hey guys if we all just act responsibly we can all just keep enjoying this great whiskey that moment it was like everybody needed Yamazaki 12 after that and I was I was on the bench watching this happen you know you beat yourself up sometimes over some of the stuff you do and you go I was just trying to do my job I'm trying to feed my family trying to promote my brands and now everyone's mad because we can't get this stuff. So mm-hmm. there's always something else to go drink. No, Gavin. And if I, you I, and that's me, what I enjoy. That's how I enjoy the rabbit hole. You know, well, and you, I never know where it's going to come. And if a brand wants to invest time and energy to educate me, I'm all ears, all ears. And the other thing is just go to a foreign country and find out what they're drinking that nobody cares about and have the same curiosity about flavor and, and emotions. And you'll find something magical. There's no ambassador drinking fancy booze. They drink what is free. Like, well, my my drink. I, I feel like a lot of them drink champagne. Actually, they're like, oh, or a beer. Oh, I, I fucking thought, can't do that. 
I thought you were calling. I thought you were calling me. I, I listened to you talking to somebody and prep for this, and I thought you were calling me out specifically because no, I couldn't. I, I you drunk whiskey all day. I just I like a nice glass of bubbles to relax. But yeah, um, I, and it would be crazy for me. I'd like I, I'd leave with you know some of you guys from these whiskey events, and I'd be like all like on a high, thinking like we're gonna go find that that you know crazy Belvaney uh, bottle, that crazy McCallum. They're like let's oh, go champagne. No, hey, can, can I can I can I a couple more people? You know, you know Brian, you know Brian, you know Brian McGregor, right? Up in yes, and that was a, Brian's. Brian is a Brian is a magical magical human who is probably the. In fact, you should get him on. He's the the most underappreciated, underrecognized person in whiskey, in my opinion. And that's not to say he's not appreciated or recognized, but for cons- considering the scale of his contribution. You can't find somebody that's connected to the San Francisco bar community that hasn't been taught by Brian McGregor. He is a fucking legend. Brian is sitting at breakfast with myself, the bold Daraz of formerly of Highland Park, the very handsome Kieran. Is it what's Kieran's last name? I, I want to say Kelly. I'm going to get. A, yes, I was. Good, thank you. So it's Kieran, the bold Daraz, myself, and McGregor's still bartending at that point, and. He's he's in that space that you're describing that like, hey, what are we going to go look? We're going to go look for whiskey today. And and let's just say one of the other two guests, one of the two literally goes, I don't like whiskey that much anyway. And <laughs> I won't out which one it was. It could be equally both of them. And he was like, that's how I started. I didn't really like it that much. And those are, those are two guys that have done more for educating whiskey than anyone else i can think of well not more than anyone else but you know what i mean they've they've yeah. they've they their service has been significant both those guys and here's mcgregor just going god it's like what what do you mean you don't like whiskey it was like i, I watched his brain crash and then the circle of neglect is just spinning in both of his eyes while his, his fucking computer chip reboots his, his fucking brain um yeah beautiful beautiful i, I can i can relate to that i can yeah, relate yeah. to that it's like hey i thought we we're gonna like not it's enough oh okay <laughs> let's go get champagne or a beer or well, watching you know the guys before a master class drink a couple of beers they're like they're like yeah that's what i feel like right now yeah yeah uh well, being there seeing it we're coming we're coming to the end of the time on the rope i can't thank you enough for coming on today Seriously, I'm so excited for the next chapter. Um, I really am. I think I think you're going to do some beautiful damage um, with all that stuff in your head and all that amazing passion and just the person you are. I really thank you for coming on. Thank you for entertaining and chatting. I thank Got you it. for being you. You've been you've been a great part of this little journey I've had. Thank you. This your support means a great deal to me and your friendship. Thank you. Wow. All right, folks, another fun one. Uh, I appreciate everyone listening. Johnny, you want to plug your social media or anything? Uh, your call. You don't have to. Your call. Yeah. I'm, I'm Johnny the Scott on Instagram, but it's not open to the public. So, um, uh, but I occasionally post some whiskey photos, a lot of swimming stuff, cold water, cold water, American therapy. Johnny, cheer you, brother. 